Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show. It's on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 213. It's titled, Why Health Insurance is a Mess. Just about two years ago in episode 123, I did an episode on health insurance and pharmaceutical cost. It was, it was prompted by the fact that my insurer, my health insurer, Blue Cross of Idaho, wanted to raise my 27 premiums for our family's health insurance by 50%. We were already in 2016 paying $1,162 a month for a bronze HSA plan that we bought on the Idaho Exchange. It had a $6,200 in network and outward or out-of-network deductible. That $1,162 was 20% increase from 2015. So we, we explored it a little bit, but we focused mostly on pharmaceuticals. I recently got on the Idaho Exchange again just to see what health insurance cost. A plan in 2017, at the time, as I mentioned, they were raising it to $1,731. So that would have been the 50% increase as $6,200 in-network and out-of-network deductible. That bronze, same bronze HSA plan for 2018, the price is about the same, $1,712, except there's a difference. The in-network deductible is still $6,000. Out-of-network is $50,000 in individual deductible, $100,000 for a family. There's a reason, and we're going to get to it, but they have essentially kept the price the same. But the ability to, to essentially get health care paid for outside of a little area of eastern Idaho is, is extremely limited. For 2018, a, a silver plan, which has $20 copay for a doctor visit, $50 for a specialist, $4,000 individual deductible, $8,000 family, out of network, still $50,000, $3,087 a month. So over $36,000 a year for health insurance here in Idaho for a family if you bought it through a, a Affordable Care Act exchange. Who cares if doctor visits are $20 when your health insurance is $36,000 a year? Now, we switched to Liberty Healthcare beginning in 2017. This is essentially a co-op. We pay into a pool, 
other members that are part of it, their medical expenses are paid out of the pool. It has a $1,500, what they call an unshared amount, so effectively a deductible. It costs $449 a month for a family plan, so about you know, significantly cheaper. Now, it doesn't cover outpatient pharmaceutical costs, so maintenance-type drugs, blood pressure, for example. And there's a cap, a million dollars per incident. But it is much less expensive than certainly the, the, the comparable plan would be a silver plan. It's like this is effectively a gold-like plan. So instead of paying $3,000 a month, it costs $449 a month. There's a problem here. There's something going on in the health insurance market. And I just wanted to figure it out. There's a fundamental flaw here. Why are premiums so high? Certainly pharmaceutical costs play a role into that. But there's got to be something even more fundamental. In 1996, there was a book published by Peter Bernstein. It was called Against the Gods, The Remarkable Story of Risk. It's a great book, and it talks a little bit about insurance, talks about risk, probability. Here's what he says. He's describing what, what insurance companies do. Insurance companies use the premiums paid by people who have not sustained losses to pay off people who have. And then, and we talked about this in the, in the Warren Buffett episode I did earlier this year, insurance companies can take those premium dollars that they've received and not yet paid out and invest them. This is what Buffett calls the float. When I was an investment advisor, I had a, a couple of medical malpractice insuring clients, and that's what I helped them with, investing premiums that they'd received and not, not yet paid out. Typically, insurance companies will, are, are conservative investors, so they tend to be heavy in fixed income. Bernstein continues, insurance is a business that is totally dependent on the process of sampling, averages, independence of observations, in the notion of normal. In other words, insurance pays for extreme events, catastrophic types of events. And, and they can make money doing this because generally these extreme events, weather-related, fire, in case of your house, they're, they're outliers. They don't happen very often. And they can estimate how often they'll happen and then base their premiums on that. He gives examples of farmers. Farmers are completely dependent on nature, he writes, that their fortunes are peculiarly vulnerable to the unpredictable, or to unpredictable but devastating disasters such as drought, flood, or pestilence, as these events are essentially independent of one another and hardly under the influence of the farmer. They provide a perfect environment for insurance, a perfect environment. Insurance, historically, has been to insure, protect against catastrophic events that inflict devastating losses, disability, death, weather disasters, theft. 
And successful insurance companies need to be able to price risk. How likely is an event to occur and what will cost the insurance company if it does occur? And then they can price that risk. We do that with life insurance. When my company, we bought back, did a leveraged buyout from our firm, former parent, we took on a lot of debt. We were worried somebody might die. We took out insurance, several million on each partner. We all had to get medical exams. We were, our risk of dying was, was assessed by the insurance company, and they priced premium. That is way different than what we see with health insurance companies. I gave you those policy prices. Only $20 to go see a doctor. Why, with health insurance, instead of insuring against a catastrophic illness, why are health insurance companies paying for routine doctor visits? My home insurer doesn't pay for me to, our air conditioner recently broke. They're not paying. I don't file a claim with my, my homeowner's insurance. That's not an extreme event. That's normal wear and tear. My automotive insurance doesn't pay for my oil change when I buy new tires. That's routine maintenance. Yet health insurance pays for essentially routine maintenance on our, our bodies. The reason Blue Cross of Idaho wants to charge me $36,000 a year for health insurance and yet is willing to let me go to the doctor and pay only $20 is because insurance companies do not price and manage individual risk. The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996 required insurers to sell that sells group insurance to offer it offer coverage to every member. At my old company, every member got health insurance. We weren't allowed to deny coverage to anyone. The insurer could underwrite us as a group. We all had to fill out very extensive medical questionnaires. But generally speaking, they took the, they, they underwrote the risk of the group and it was for one year. A year later, we had to go through that same process if we wanted to see what our premium would be. The Affordable Care Act, health insurers, they can't price individually based on an individual's health risk. It's called community rating. It's priced based on age and whether you smoke. In the individual market before the ACA, they actually could underwrite based on the specific risk. But most individuals got their insurance through their employer because employers and employees pay health insurance premiums with pre-tax dollars. Individuals like me in the individual insurance market pay premiums with after-tax dollars. Now, in my case, I started a company, so now I'm paying it with pre-tax, pre-tax dollars. But if you don't have your own company, 
and you, you're effectively, if you're unemployed or you're buying insurance in the individual market, you don't get that tax break. And as a result, employer-sponsored health plans have an advantage, and that's how most people get that. Now, you might be thinking, well, if that was a problem with when insurance companies in the individual market could price risk. They could set a premium based on how sick you were, and they could exclude you for pre-existing conditions. And, and that's what the Affordable Care Act was supposed to, to you, you no longer could exclude pre-existing conditions. And so insurance companies, they, they couldn't price that risk. So they have an incentive to not insure sick people because they're not setting premiums based on the health of who's being insured. Now, I have pre-existing conditions, and so I welcome the fact that insurers couldn't, couldn't exclude me anymore. But I was wrong. Here's John C. Goodman. He wrote the book Priceless on health insurance, solving the health care crisis. Wall Street Journal named him, I think, the father of the health savings accounts. He's an economist. He writes, life insurers are obligated to pay a death benefit to survivors once the death has occurred. No insurer insists that a widow continue to pay premiums long after her husband is deceased. Similarly, the homeowner's insurance is responsible, or the homeowner's insurer is responsible for paying for damage from a fire once the fire has occurred. No insurer insists that owners continue to pay premiums long after the house has burned down unless they want to insure another house. Health insurance is different. Health insurance typically pays for medical expenses only so long as the patient continues to pay premiums. Suppose you get cancer and begin chemotherapy and other treatments. As long as you and your employer continue to pay health insurance premiums, the insurer will pay the cost of care minus your co-payments. But suppose you quit your job, say because you are too sick to work, then you will eventually lose your employer's coverage and at that point the insurer will cease paying for the cost of your care. This unique feature of health insurance is the primary reason why people, including me, have a problem with pre-existing conditions in the health insurance marketplace. Most chronic health problems, diabetes, asthma, cancer, heart disease, do not arise while people are uninsured. They arise when people and their employers are paying premiums. In a mobile labor market, however, people leave their jobs. When they seek new insurance, they discover that the new insurer either won't insure them or insists on excluding coverage for the pre-existing condition. And he goes on to say, we always tend to blame the new insurer. But he points out, certainly this condemnation is misplaced. Remember, the person with the pre-existing conditions, he writes, has been paying premiums, perhaps for many years, to the original insurer. Does it make sense to allow the original insurer to collect all the premiums but force the new insurer to pay all the bills? No. The insurance company where I got sick should pay for my medical bills. 
which is why we need to, to get insurance away from the employers. Rather than get an insurance policy every time I get a new job or you get a new job, we should be able to buy a lifetime health casualty policy. So when I'm young, I, I, I keep my same insurance and it doesn't cover routine maintenance. It's like other casualty insurance. It's for a health casualty. And if I was able to take that with me, if I got sick, then the insurance company would would pay my medical bills. And maybe I would stop paying the premiums if I got seriously ill, like other insurance works. But the insurer would be able to price that risk. They could price it, but it would be over my life. Insurance companies, health insurance companies have an advantage because they get to price the risk every single year. Can you imagine if life insurance was like that? And Goodman points this out. What if your life insurance premiums was increased whether every year, whether you got cancer or AIDS? If you got cancer that year, well, we think you might die, so we're going to quadruple your premium because of your risk of death is higher. Now, that wouldn't be fair. That would, that would destroy the life insurance market. Yet, that's how the health insurance market is structured. Before we explore other reasons why health insurance is such a mess, let's pause so I can share some words from this week's sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. 
After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. We've seen that the health insurance market is flawed because first, health insurers, unlike property and casualty insurers, are not able to price the risk of an of a catastrophic event impacting one individual. It's group underwriting or it's community rating. Everybody is charged the same. That's the first flaw. The second flaw is that because health insurance isn't really portable and, and essentially you sign up new every year and the health insurer perhaps is underwriting that group risk once a year, then the insurer oftentimes, when you got sick, no longer pays the bill once you drop the insurance. That's unlike any other insurance. If the catastrophic event occurs, if the insurer is underwriting that risk and can set the premium based on that risk, then they should be obligated to pay that cost. That's what risk management is. That's how insurance works. And if that insurance is over the life of the individual, they shouldn't be able to raise the premiums every year. They should say, I take out a policy when I'm 20. They're going to price my health risk through my entire life and set the premium based on that and would not be able to raise the premium once I got sick. That, that's how other insurance works. But that's not what we have for health insurance. Instead, in some ways, health insurance, because they can't price risk on an individual basis, they don't want sick people, as I mentioned. And so they compete to some extent on amenities, free office visits, or small copay office visits. Companies are the same way. Companies can't exclude employees who are sick, but they would like healthy employees because it's cheaper for them. I remember when, at our company, when our founder got a brain tumor, we were really concerned about his health. He eventually passed away. But we were also concerned, what is this going to do to our health insurance premiums? Because our health insurance companies, they can rewrite and raise the rates. As employers... They don't want sick employees because it costs more money. It should be separated from the employer situation so that we could take our insurance and we could, it could be underwritten, underwritten based on the true risk of the individuals. But instead, because essentially health insurance companies compete on amenities and do things to encourage healthy people to join and discourage sick people. Blue Cross of Idaho doesn't, one reason they have $50,000 premium or deductible for out of network is that I don't go to the Cleveland clinic to the heart specialist there because that might mean that I'm sick or have a health condition. So they limit 
to a small region because if somebody's seeking a specialist, they're less likely to want to go to Blue Cross of Idaho. But if they're healthy and just want somebody to pick up the cost of going to the doctor on a regular basis or dental care or vision, sure, they'll take that. Because again, they're not able to, they're not able to underwrite based on the specific individual. And because we're able to go to the doctor for $50, then we do. And so Goodman writes, because the typical insurance contract reduces the out-of-pocket cost of care to patients, they have a perverse incentive to overconsume health care. Because the same contract pays doctors according to the number of visits, tests, and procedures they order, they have a perverse incentive to overtreat. In order to control costs, therefore, insurers typically engage in all manner of techniques to control and limit the choice patients and doctors have. That includes control over the drugs we can take, the tests we can have, and even the doctors and facilities we have access to. Third-party payers have enormous power to limit our choices because they have the power to pay or deny payment of medical bills. Even if their decisions are challenged and subsequently reversed, third-party payers can impose significant time and money costs on any doctor or patient who does not follow the rules. Early in the book, he writes, the casualty insurance market, so home insurance, for example, is a real market in which real insurance is bought and sold. The health insurance market, by contrast, is an artificial market in which the product being exchanged is not real insurance at all. To a large extent, it's prepayment for the consumption of health care. In the casualty market, each buyer pays a premium that reflects the expected cost and risk that the buyer brings to the insurance pool he is entering. Insurers compete to sell the insurance features of the product because that is what buyers are buying. If you look at ads for property and casualty insurers, usually there's a catastrophe. People are, are harmed and the insurer comes and writes a check and, and helps them out in their time of need. Have you ever seen a sick person in a health insurance ad? No, because they don't want sick people because they can't underwrite the risk. When you buy term life insurance, you're buying the insurance feature, the protection in case you or a loved one dies. Same for homeowner's insurance. But Goodman points out, with health insurance, what you're buying is the opportunity to consume care with other people's money. It's a consumption aspect of health care. You're not buying most of what you're buying is, is not protection against casualty. That you get really sick, it's consumption. And again, health insurers compete, he writes, to sell the consumption features of their product. And they're interested in selling only to people who don't plan to consume very much. It's a completely different market. Now, there are, there, and well, this overconsumption is, is, is also what drives cost. There's the aspect that, and we're only going to scratch the surface in this episode, 
There's the aspect that the provider isn't competing on cost either. The doctor, they don't compete on cost. Many times they don't see the cost. All they see is the payment rates from third-party providers. The fact that as individuals, we're not paying for our ongoing maintenance. We're aware of what we're paying for an oil change or what new tires cost on our car. And there's a healthy competition for tires. But because the consumption of healthcare is paid by, mostly by the insurer, There isn't that competition there. Whereas if the market was set up to where it was truly a health insurance market against getting significantly sick and your insurer couldn't drop you when you got sick and you could take that insurance throughout your life so that young people's health insurance premiums are really low because they're less likely to get sick. But if we bought health insurance, that protection... And we kept that policy for 30, 40, or 50 years? Yeah, it'd be higher. It would cost more when we were young. But it wouldn't be so high like it is now when you're older because they could price the risk. There'd be an insurance pool of individuals coming together and the health insurer could underwrite the risk based on the individuals, but they couldn't deny coverage then. That's Same way that a life insurer can't drop your life insurance when they if they find out that you've gotten sick and you're likely to die. One of the things I liked about Goodman's book is there was a sense of humility there. He wrote, How do I know what will work? Actually, I don't know. What I do know is that certain kinds of incentives motivate others to find out what works for them. I have no idea what the health care system would look like once we start doing some of these things. What would it look like if health insurers could price and manage risk over the life of a client, over their client, the client's lifespan? What if we separated health insurance from employment? It was portable. And insurance companies that underwrote a policy when you got sick continued to pay the cost. So if you quit your job, you didn't lose your insurance. What if health insurance only covered catastrophic health issues and we paid for routine exams out of pockets so there was more price competition, more transparency? In the elective health care market, LASIK surgery, there's all kinds of competition. You can find out what things cost. Now it's, it's when you get an operation it's hard. You have no idea what it's going to cost because it's all negotiated rates. And then you get the bill and it's indecipherable. So that's why health insurance is a mess. Episode 213, I, I, I don't hear any discussion, and, and maybe I'm just not tapped in to the ongoing debate, but I don't hear anything going back to the core. Why? This is a fundamentally flawed market. Why isn't health insurance more like property and casualty insurance? Show notes for this episode are at moneyfortherestofus.com. While you're there, why don't you sign up for my free insider's guide? It's a weekly email where I'll send you the links for that week's show. That's where I provide other valuable content, other more clarification on previous episodes, things I'm seeing 
that didn't get covered in that week's episode. Some of the best writing I do each week only goes to those free Insider's Guide members. So that's at moneyfortherestofus.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered your specific risk situation. I've not provided investment advice. Simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week. <laughs>